Hey everyone, it's Tween Teen Tales with Aussie Dad, and today we're continuing on with Dork Diaries. Uh, this will be part 5. Sunday, September 29th. I'm starting to get really excited because the avant-garde art competition is only 8 days away. I decided to enter my watercolour painting that took me two whole summers at art camp to complete. I spent more than 130 hours on it. The only complication is that I gave it to my mum and dad last spring for their 16th wedding anniversary, so it's technically not mine anymore. It was either my painting or spending my entire life savings of $109.21 to buy them dinner at a fancy restaurant. But I knew the dinner was going to be a total rip-off because I watched the Food Network. All of those five-star restaurants serve really gross stuff like frog legs and snails and then give you a tiny portion on a really big plate with chocolate syrup drizzled over it and garnish. And garnish is just a fancy name for a plain old piece of parsley. So to save money, Brianna and I decided to cook a romantic candlelit dinner for Mum and Dad as an anniversary surprise. We took a big bucket and a net to the pond at the park and hunted down some fresh frog legs and snails. It was my brilliant idea to make it all-you-can-eat buffet since we are basically getting the food for free. Trying to prepare a gourmet dinner was definitely a lot harder than I thought it would be. The frogs kept jumping out of the bowl and the snails wouldn't stay on the plate. Unfortunately, none of those shows on the Food Network explain how to control all the critters while you're trying to cook them. And Brianna was no help whatsoever. She was supposed to be my assistant, but she kept swiping the frogs and kissing them to see if they'd turn into princes. I scolded her really good about that because she had no idea where those frogs' lips had been. Not surprisingly, Brianna threw a big hissy fit when it came to put the food in the oven. She said they were her friends, and friends don't cook friends. I had to admit, she did have a good point. So we decided to take Mum and Dad's anniversary dinner back to the pond and let them go. I guess you could say they were really lucky. They, meaning the frogs and snails, not Mum and Dad. Since our dinner plans fell through and I didn't want to part with my life savings, I stuck a big red Christmas boat on my watercolour painting and used that as a gift instead. Mum and Dad must have really loved it because they paid a ton of money to have it professionally matted and put into an expensive antique frame. Then they hung it in our living room right over the couch. Even though it's now a priceless family heirloom with tremendous sentimental value, Mum said I could borrow it for the avant-garde art competition, as long as I took really good care of it. I was like, Mum, don't worry. Nothing's going to happen. I'll be super careful. I promise. Although, now that I think about it, Jamie Lynn Spears probably told her mum the exact same thing. Hmm. Monday, September 30. I couldn't believe that Mackenzie actually came to school on crutches today. She even stuck little heart stickers on them so that they matched her new Gucci hobo handbag. Only someone as vain as Mackenzie would try to look cute while hobbling around on crutches. She didn't have a cast on her leg or anything, just a Spongebob band-aid below her left knee. How fake is that? According to the latest gossip, 
Mackenzie was taking scuba diving lessons on Saturday from this really hot ninth grader when she ruptured her shin while saving him from drowning. She supposedly did mouth-to-mouth resuscitation on him until the ambulance arrived. And since the poor guy's dying wish was for her to escort him to the hospital, she was forced to cancel her birthday party. So she rescheduled it for Saturday, October 12th at her parents' country club. I was like, yeah, right. Mackenzie is such a liar and a drama queen. Why couldn't she just tell the truth? And admit her party was cancelled because her house was infested with bugs and stank from bug spray. Anyway, today I could hardly wait for lunch. Chloe and Zoe were even more excited than I was. We sat at our usual table and snuffed down our lunch as fast as we could. Then I rolled up Zoe's sleeve, took out my lucky pen and got started on her tattoo. She kept giggling and squirming, saying it tickled. I said, listen... Zoe, shut up and sit still, or I'm going to turn any stray ink marks into ugly baby snakes. Lucky for her, she stopped moving after that. Practically everyone in the cafeteria was staring at us, but I ignored them and kept right on working. Zoe's tattoo turned out really cool, and she loved it. I was just getting started on Chloe's tattoo when the weirdest thing happened. Jason Feldman got up, left the CCP table, and sat down at our table to watch. He's just the most popular guy in the entire school and president of the student council. On the cuteness scale, I would say he was a 9.93 out of 10. You're doing a tattoo with a pen? Cool. It looks so real. I should know because my brother just got one for his 18th birthday. It's our special LSA project for National Library Week, Chloe said and battered her eyelashes at him, all flirty-like. Yeah, and all the latest fashion magazines say tattoos are hot, Zoe added in this really nasally voice that sounded a lot like Paris Hilton. Those two were acting so phony baloney, it was sickening. I thought I was going to puke up my lunch right in Jason's lap. So, what do I have to do to get one, Jason asked excitedly. Donate a book or something? Do you have the sign-up sheet? Zoe's and Chloe's faces lit up at the same time, and I could see the little light bulb click on their brains. I just sighed and rolled my eyes. First it was the tattoo thing, then ballet of the zombies, and then running away to live in the secret underground tunnels at the New York City Public Library. I didn't know if I could put up with much more of this drama. Chloe fluttered her eyelashes at Jason again. Well, Nikki is art director... I'm overseeing book procurement, and Zoe here handles scheduling. Zoe, would you please give Jason our sign-up sheet? Uh, what sign-up sheet? Zoe asked, looking confused. Chloe winked at her and said really loudly, You know, the sign-up sheet in your notebook, silly. Finally, Zoe called on. Ah, that sign-up sheet. Of course. She gazed at Jason and giggled nervously. Zoe whipped out her notebook, tore out a sheet of paper, scribbled tattoo sign-up sheet across the top, and handed it to Chloe. Chloe added the words, book donation required, 
new or used, in big bold letters and gave it to Jason. I was shocked and appalled to see Chloe and Zoe lying like that. I always felt honesty was a very important quality in a friend. Jason scrawled his name on the sign-up sheet and then yelled to his lunch table on the other side of the cafeteria. Hey, Crenshaw, get Thompson and come check this out. Ryan Crenshaw was a 9.86 and Matt Thompson was a 9.98. They both came over and sat down at our table right next to Jason. Then the three of them started laughing and talking to me, Chloe and Zoe like we were CCP girls or something. That's when I decided that although an honest friend was nice and I can hook you up with really cute guys friends was far better. And besides, Chloe and Zoe weren't actually lying. They were just over embellishing some fabricated truths. Even though I was enjoying all of the unexpected attention, there was an incessant gnawing deep down inside my gut that had me really worried. Why were the three most popular CCP guys suddenly sitting at a lunch table, flirting with Chloe, Zoe and me, the three biggest dorks in the school? And what exactly did they want from us? Then I had to force myself to ponder the most intriguing and troubling question of all. Was my lucky pen going to melt from all of the CCP guy hotness? Here are the three reasons why I was a little worried about my pen. Jason, the prep. Ryan, the jock. Matt, the bad boy. Within minutes, seven more guys had crashed at our table and were passing around the sign-up sheet and boasting about how wicked their tat was going to be. I finally finished up Chloe's tattoo and said it was perfect. Jason rolled up his sleeve and took Chloe's place. Hey dudes, listen up. Mine is going to say Guitar Hero. All of the guys started slapping him on the back and giving him high fives and fist pumps. Uh, fist bumps. He was acting all smug like he was getting a new sports car or something. Then a large crowd of girls gathered around a large crowd of guys to watch me work on Jason's tattoo. Isn't she the new girl? I think her locker is right next to Mackenzie's. She's like the best artist in the entire school. Hey, I want to sign up. Give me this sheet next. What's her name? Mickey, Ricky or Vicky, I think. Whatever her name is, the girls got skills. I'm so jealous. I can't draw a stick figure. She's in my French class. Her name is Nikki Maxwell. I'd love to draw on Jason Feldman. He's hot. Oh my god, I'd give anything to be Nikki Maxwell. I'm starting to feel like a pop star. The only CCPs not at our table were Mackenzie and her little group. They were glaring at us from across the cafeteria. By the end of lunch period, I had completed seven tattoos. Chloe had collected nine books, and Zoe had scheduled 11 people to get tattoos tomorrow at lunch. We decided to call our new LSA project Ink Exchange, trade a book for a tattoo. In no time, the entire school was gossiping about it. Mrs. Peach said collecting books for charity was a wonderful idea, and she was really proud of us. Brandon even congratulated me and said he wanted to interview me for the school newspaper on Friday since I was breaking news. 
He said he planned to photograph a few students showing off their new tattoos for the article. Now I could hardly wait for Friday to get here. There's a chance we might actually become good friends. But the absolute mind-blowing thing about all of this is that Chloe, Zoe and I started the school day as LSA dorks and ended it as CCP divas. How cool is that? Tuesday, October 1st. Tattoos today, 17, total 24. Today, books, 34, total 43. This tattoo craze has really caught on at WCD. I did 11 more during lunch, and most of the CCP sat at our table to watch. It was pretty cool hanging out with them, and they were not mean or snotty like we thought they'd be. I guess it was just a matter of getting to know them better. Surprisingly, I ended up doing another six tattoos while I was on LSA duty. It seemed like everyone and their mother was getting library passes during fifth hour homeroom and pestering me. But Mrs. Peach said she didn't mind me not shelving books since I was working on our group project. So far, we've collected a total of 43 books for charity, which is fantastic. But it was mainly because Chloe decided to start charging two books per tattoo instead of one. Zoe and I thought one book was perfectly fine, and we told her so. But Chloe said that since she was the director of book procurement, it was her decision, not ours. So it didn't matter what we thought. Now, how rude was that? I was like, okay, Chloe, we're supposed to be doing this as a group project. Who died and made you queen? But I just said it in my head, so no one else heard it but me. So now we're getting two books for each tattoo, although it seems a bit greedy if you ask me. Wednesday, October 2nd. Today, tattoos, 19, total 43. Books, 57, total 100. I used to daydream about everyone at WCD knowing my name. And today, more than two dozen people said hi to me before I even got to my first hour class. It made me happy to have so many new friends. In biology, we had to choose a lab partner and look at dust mites under a microscope. I thought for sure that Brandon was going to ask me to work with him, but three people interrupted him while he was trying to talk to me. They were like, Hey Nikki, let's work together so we can talk about my new tattoo design. But I didn't want to talk to people I hardly knew about tattoos. I wanted to have a really deep emo convo with Brandon about dust mites. In the end, I got stuck with Alexis Hamilton, the captain of the cheerleaders. The whole time we were working, all she did was blab about how they, the cheerleaders, needed me to come up with a super hot tattoo for their big game against Central, which, by the way, was on Friday. But I already knew this because I overheard them talking about it in front of my locker this morning. A few of them were waiting around for me after second hour, and they seemed pretty cranky. It wasn't like I was afraid of them or anything. I just jumped inside my locker because I can be a little shy at times. Anyway, I told Alexis that everyone had to sign up with Zoe first, but she said Zoe had a waiting list of 149 people through next Wednesday, and she needed the, 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 she needed the tats right away since it was kind of an emergency. Alexis said she'd already donated three books for each tattoo to Chloe, and Chloe was authorizing the squad to be placed at the top of the waiting list. 
So now it was three books. I told Alexis that since Zoe was director of scheduling and Chloe was director of book procurement, she should probably just ignore Chloe. Then Alexis got an attitude about the whole thing and refused to talk to me or help write our lab report on dust mites. Talk about a cruddy lab partner. But what really upset me was that Zoe had scheduled 149 people without asking me first. I have a French test on Friday and a geometry test next Monday, and I'm barely pulling a C in each of, these or each of those classes. How am I supposed to study if I'm staying up past midnight every night designing tats for all of these people, and I haven't had time to eat lunch for the past two days? Then, as I was leaving class, Samantha Gates stopped me to say how much she loved her tat of Justin Timberlake. She said all of her friends in the drama club wanted one too. She invited me to hang out with them after school on Friday, and I told her I'd let her know. But how can I have a social life when I have to draw tattoos 24-7? Thursday, October 3rd. Tattoos. Today, 33. Total, 76. Books, 99. Total, 199. I had a really cruddy day today. It seems that all Chloe, Zoe, and everyone cares about is tattoos. I came to school early and did 9. Then I did 14 at lunchtime and another 10 during library. That's 33 tattoos. Then I overheard Zoe tell Chloe behind my back that I worked slower than a constipated snail in an ice storm. And I needed to speed up since she now had 216 people on the waiting list for next week. I was so not doing 216 tattoos in one week. And I told Zoe that right to her face, in a really friendly way. Then Chloe wanted to know why I told Alexis to ignore her. She said that since the cheerleaders had a big game, she thought they should be put at the top of the list for tomorrow. That's when Zoe said, as the director of scheduling, that the decision was hers alone and she didn't care what Chloe thought. Which was the exact same thing Chloe had said to us a few days ago. Then Mrs. Peach came over and asked us to please lower our voices because we were, after all, in a library. But I knew better. It wasn't a library. It was a wicked tattoo sweatshop. Friday, October 4th. Tattoos today? A big fat zero. Books today? A big fat zero. Why? First of all, Chloe and Zoe were mad because I didn't come to school early and they had 17 people waiting for tattoos. Well, excuse me, but I had a French test today that I had to study for. Then, at lunch, there were 25 people waiting, but instead of sitting at table 9 and helping me, Chloe and Zoe sat at the CCP table on the other side of the cafeteria. I could see them giggling and acting all flirty with Jason, Ryan and Matt, well, I was supposed to be working my butt off like Cinderella or somebody. But I nearly freaked when I saw Mackenzie give Chloe and Zoe invitations to her rescheduled party for next Saturday. They were pink envelopes with big white satin ribbons tied around them, just like the one she had given me, and then taken back when she uninvited me. Chloe and Zoe were acting all happy and sucking up to Mackenzie even though they knew she hated my guts. 
So I did the most mature and rational thing possible under the circumstances. I quit. If I have to draw one more tattoo, I'm going to vomit. I thought Chloe and Zoe were my real friends. But now I can see that they were just using me all along to earn that trip to New York City for National Library Week. How could they do this to me? Then Brandon came up to my locker, all smiley, and said he wanted to interview me for the newspaper after school. But I told him to just forget it, because my tattoo career was over. He asked me if I was okay, and I said, yeah, it's all good. I just need to find some new friends. He just blinked and looked kind of confused. Then he shrugged and walked away. So now it's like Chloe, Zoe, and Brandon are all tripping. I hope the three of them have a blast at Mackenzie's little party since they all got invited and I didn't. But it wasn't like I was jealous of them or anything. I mean, how totally juvenile would that be? Saturday, October 5th. I had the most horrible nightmare. It was like something out of the twilight zone. Mackenzie was spitting bugs at me and all I could hear was a fifth hour bell ringing and ringing. Thank goodness I finally woke up. That's when I realised it was morning and the telephone was ringing, not the fifth hour bell. I dragged myself out of bed and answered the phone on my desk. It was my grandma calling to tell her she was planning to come visit us for two weeks at the end of the month. I told her my parents must already be out running errands or something since they haven't answered the phone. Then she asked me how I was doing and I told her, not so good. I said I was thinking about transferring out of my school and asked her what she would do if she were me. She says, not so much about the school I chose, but whether I chose to be a chicken or a champion. Which, of course, had absolutely nothing to do with anything. Since Grandma was talking out of her head again, I told her that I loved her, but that I had to go because someone was at the door. Then I hung up. I wasn't lying to her because, unfortunately, Brianna and Miss Penelope were at my bedroom door. Miss Penelope wanted me to watch her do a medley of songs from High School Musical 3 in the stylings of Amy Winehouse. I'd been awake for less than three minutes and had already been forced to deal with my senile grandmother, or grandma, my hyperactive sister and a wacky puppet. I climbed back into bed, pulled the covers up over my head and screamed for two whole minutes. So many freaks and not enough circuses. Monday, October 7. Please, please, please make all of this not really be happening to me. Today has been the worst day of my entire life. It all started Sunday night when I was sitting at my desk doing review problems for my geometry test. My mum came into my room around midnight to tell me she was leaving the house extra early in the morning to chaperone a field trip for Brianna's class. Nikki, since you have a test and the art competition tomorrow... It's really important that you set your alarm clock so you don't oversleep in the morning. I was like, thanks mum, good night. I really did plan to set my clock as soon as I finished my geometry problems. But the next thing I knew, it was morning and I was still sitting at my desk with my geometry book open. I just about had a heart attack because according to my clock, it was 7.36am on Monday and my first hour class started... Uh, started at 8 a.m. The only logical explanation was that I must have fallen asleep while studying at my desk. My day was off to a very bad start. I'd overslept, I didn't have a ride to school, 
My painting needed to be turned in for the art show, and my geometry test started in less than 24, no, make that 23 minutes. Even the weather perfectly matched my miserable mood. It was dark, overcast, and pouring rain. I was fighting back my tears when suddenly I heard the low rumble of our garage door opening. I ran to my bedroom window and spotted the flicker of bright headlights. It was my dad, and he was leaving the house. I rushed around my room in a panic, trying to get dressed before he pulled out. I jumped into my jeans and slid on my jacket. When I couldn't find one of my shoes, I decided to just change into my gym shoes once I got to school. I grabbed my backpack and my painting and dashed downstairs like a maniac. By the time I got out the front door, my dad was already pulling into the street. I ran down our driveway, waving my arms and screaming hysterically. Wait! Dad, wait! I overslept! I need a ride to school! Only, I couldn't run very fast because I was loaded down with my backpack and the painting. Of course, my bunny slippers didn't help the situation either. Unfortunately, my dad didn't see me. So I just stood there in our driveway in the pouring rain, feeling really, really cruddy. I couldn't believe I was going to miss art show, receive an F on my geometry test, and get an unexcused absence all on the same day. I got this large, painful lump in my throat, and I felt like crying again. But my dad must have finally noticed me in his rearview mirror or something, because suddenly he slammed on his brakes. Screech! I took off running down the street towards the van as fast as I could. As I climbed in, Dad chuckled. Does Sleeping Beauty need a ride to school, or are you waiting for your prince? I ignored his corny little joke and collapsed into the back seat of the van. I was soaking wet, but I felt happy and relieved. All was not lost. Yet, anyway. But I also felt really anxious. For the first time this year, I was riding to school in a roachmobile. And if anyone saw me getting out of it, I was going to absolutely die. By the time we pulled up to the front of the school, the rain had finally stopped. Thank goodness the only other vehicle around was a large truck with some men in uniform carrying in tall flat panels. I guess that they were the displays for the art show. I thanked Dad for the ride, grabbed my painting and climbed out of the van. Just as I was about to slam the door shut, he waved and pointed to my backpack on the floor. Hey, I think you're forgetting something. I carefully set my painting on the ground and leaned it against the side of the van. Then I climbed back in and grabbed my backpack. I think I'm all set now. Thanks again, Dad. I waved and slammed the van door shut. I could not believe that I'd actually made it to school in one piece with six minutes to spare. And not a single soul had spotted me getting out of the roachmobile, which was a miracle in and of itself. Then I noticed a girl wearing matching Burberry raincoat, hat and boots climbing out of the back of the truck parked in front of us. Hey, careful with that, buddy. It's a piece of art, not a piece of plywood, she snarled at one of the men. I froze and thought about trying to duck back into the van to hide until she left, but it was too late. Mackenzie's mouth dropped open. At first she had a look of shock on her face as she stared at me, my van and Max. Yes, the roach. Then her lips spread into a really evil grin. Wait a minute. You're the same Maxwell as Maxwell's bug extermination. And what's that hideous brown thing on top of your van? A dead horse? Let me guess. It's supposed to be a matching set 
with those two dead bunnies on your feet. I just glared at her and didn't say a word. Okay, Mackenzie was the undisputed winner if we were competing for richest snob, cutest designer wardrobe, most friends, coolest bedroom or biggest house. But we weren't. Avant-garde art was all about pure, unadulterated talent, which Mackenzie could not buy with her parents' money. It was her Fab Four Ever Fashion illustrations against my watercolour. And that was when I finally remembered my painting. I spun around and lunged to grab it just as my dad was pulling out. But it was too late. I gasped and watched in horror as the vampire slowly crushed glass antique wood frame my hopes and my dreams. It was shockingly painful to see the unique expression of me that had taken more than 130 hours to capture in watercolour so brutally destroyed in a matter of seconds. But the torn, twisted and splintered mess on the side of the curb was not nearly as ugly as Mackenzie's final insult. Oh no, was that your little art project? Too bad. Hey, just throw some bugs on it and enter it as a modern art piece called Maxwell's Bugs on Garbage. And she cackled like a witch and sashayed off. I just hated when Mackenzie sashayed. I watched sadly as the Roachmobile turned the corner and disappeared down the road. For the first time in my life, I wished I were inside it, warm and dry and speeding away. Away from Mackenzie. Away from friends who were really not my friends. Away from Westchester Country Day Middle School. I didn't fit in at this place, and I was sick and tired of trying. I sat down on the side of the curb next to the pieces of my painting and cried. The rain started to pour again, but I didn't care. I'd been sitting there like forever, trying to sort things out inside my head, when I noticed it had stopped raining. On me, anyway. Then, I recognised that faint aroma of snubble, uh, <laughs> snubble, snuggle fabric softener, Axe body spray, and red licorice. I looked up and was surprised and slightly embarrassed to see Brandon standing there holding an umbrella over me. You okay? I didn't answer. Then he extended his hand. I just looked at it and sighed. If I sat out on the curb in the cold rain much longer, I'd probably end up dying of pneumonia, which, by the way, didn't sound like such a bad thing. I grabbed hold of his hand and he slowly pulled me up off the wet curb. I could not believe we were doing this stupid little scene all over again. How pathetic. I rolled my eyes, sniffed and wiped my runny nose on the back of my hand. I was not going to let him see me cry. Both of us just stood there, not saying anything. He was staring at me and I was staring at the ground. Suddenly, Brendan dug deep into his pocket and fished out a wrinkled looking piece of tissue. Um... I think you have something on your face. Probably snot, I said sarcastically, and snatched the tissue from his hand. Yeah, probably, he said, trying hard not to smile. Like, I dig those shoes. They're not shoes, they're bunny slippers. I was in a really big hurry this morning, okay? 
I blow my nose at him loudly and angrily. <laughs> That's the noise that they actually has in there. I've never heard anyone blow their nose like that. But anyway, so um, it looks like you had a little accident with your project. I wouldn't call it little. Well, if it'll make you feel any better, Mackenzie is entering some life-size paper dolls. I'd say your painting is still better than hers, even in 27 pieces, with mud smeared on it and a few worms. A mischievous grin slowly spread across Brandon's face. Come on, everyone knows you have more talent in your smallest burp than... Yeah, I know, I know, I said, interrupting him and blushing uncontrollably. I hated when he did that to me. Okay, even though I was mad at the world, I had to admit, this whole thing was a little funny, in a really bent sort of way. Finally, I smiled at Brandon, and he winked at me. He was such a dork, but in a good way. He had a slightly weird sense of humour, and was friendly and a little shy all at the same time. And, unlike me... He didn't obsess about what other people thought about him. I think that was probably the coolest thing about him. Thanks for the umbrella. Hey, no prob. Then we both walked to the front entrance. Even though the building was warm, I felt really chilled. My slippers were soaked and it seemed like I was wearing sponges dipped in ice water on my feet. I needed to get my shoes out of my locker and then go to the office to call my dad. Hopefully... He can drop off some dry clothing. Or, or, in some cases, dry clothing. So, I'll walk you to the office, if you don't mind. My class is on the way. As Brandon and I made our way down the hall, some people stopped and stared, while others pointed and laughed. But I just ignored them. I knew I looked pretty crazy. With every step I took, my bunny slippers went, Sloshy squeak, sloshy squeak, sloshy squeak, and left small puddles of water behind me. When I finally got to my locker, there was a large crowd of kids gathered around it. At first, I thought they were there for tattoos, but everyone quickly scattered. Then, I saw what they were looking at. Someone had drawn a picture of a cockroach and said, Bug girl, on her locker door. It felt like someone had punched me in my stomach so hard I could hardly breathe. I covered my mouth and tried to blink back my tears for what seemed like the tenth time this morning. Someone had written on my locker in what appeared to be ravishing red hot cinnamon twist lip gloss, which, by the way, was Mackenzie's favourite. Oh, I'm really sorry, Brandon stammered. Only a real loser would do something as mean and stupid as... But I didn't hear the rest of what he said. I turned around pushed my way through the crowded hallway and went straight to the office to call my parents. I couldn't take it anymore. I was leaving Westchester Country Day Middle School and never coming back. Alright, well that was the end of part five. Hope you enjoyed it and stay tuned for the last part of Dork Diaries, which I will read very soon. Alright, thanks for listening.